Shabaka Teko Baraka Izuba Kalayende Shekoraba Sikaba Shaga Daga 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 Ebaraba Sanda Barabaya Daga Shabaha Your name be exalted Your name be praised Mondobo Shagaba Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you that, Lord, you've perfected for one them that are sanctified. Thank you the Lord you dealt with our state so that our experience shall be informed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Thank you we are in you. We are locked up in you. Our experience is you. Our history is you. Our present is you. Our tomorrow is you. We thank you. Thank you. You are worthy. You are worthy. Open our eyes, Lord, that we might behold the truth of our salvation which aforetime was mentioned but was preached unto them that believed not and because of their unbelief were unable to enter the promised land let us therefore all the more give heed to these things lest there remain a rest for which we are unable to enter because the word was preached to them as was unto us but it was not mixed with faith in them that had it. Lord, may we see. We anoint our eyes with eyes out. May we see that in you we have the redemption through your blood, even the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of your glory in Christ. Lemamaka shakanana we come to revelation we will know that Satan's tyranny is an illegitimate action we will know that our ignorance has legalized illegalities but reason of our eyes may open illegality shall be turned around we will walk as full sons and daughters of our God until you be praised Unto you be honor, unto you be glory, world without end. We see you. And let the Christ of God and the Christ of Israel be revealed in tonight, in this afternoon service. Thank you, Jesus. Your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, give God a shout of praise. Oh, please give God a better shout of praise. 
blessed yesterday? How many of you were blessed? Oh, some people were not blessed. <laughs> How many of you were blessed yesterday? I want to see by hands. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, you must understand that in the new covenant, our blessing and our glory is in what we hear. Yeah. Mark chapter 4 said, Take heed what you hear. Luke chapter 8 verse 18 says, Take heed how you hear. So there's the content and there's the method. What you are hearing is as important as how you are hearing what you are hearing. <laughs> the Bible says, and for the people that were in Ephesus, they received the word with eagerness of heart. And he spoke about the Bereans in Acts 17. He said they received the word of God with eagerness of heart. Beloved, what you are hearing is as important as how you are hearing it. <laughs> Sometimes we are hearing the truth and we are not eager. But may the entrance of his word bring light. Yeah. I know that you are taught in dominion. So when you are hearing the word and it's a little complex, just speak in the spirit. Speak in tongues. You are storing it for future. There's coming a day that deposit that is locked up will be released. Hallelujah. And I know that at the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, he will come for a perfect church. I said he will come for a perfect church. I said he will come for a perfect church. A perfect church that knows their righteousness and their standing with God. A church that knows their full rights of sonship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright. We can go back to our theme scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Thank you Jesus. Are we there? Okay, can we? Second Corinthians 2.14 Can we all go together? One, two Alright He said he maketh Manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. Say he maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Say in every place. Say in every place. Hallelujah. Now what he's trying to tell us from scripture is that hmm you are not, he's not saying that. For instance, in Acts chapter 1, the verse number 8, he says, Now ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. Now he didn't say you will go witnessing. He said you will be a witness. Remember yesterday I touched on the judicial dimension of the blood. He said you will be my witnesses. Hallelujah. Huh. remember yesterday I said and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimonies now the word there I said testimony is the word maturia now the word witness here also in Acts 1 8 is matus <laughs> 
So maturia is evidence. Matus is the, is the one who provides the evidence. Please, are you here? So the, the, the Holy Ghost comes on us to become carriers of evidence. He didn't say the Spirit will come on us and we will go witnessing. He said we will be witnesses. And what are we witnesses of? Of the evidence. And I said to you that the evidence is the blood. So we will be witnesses of the blood. Please follow me very well today. We will be witnesses of the blood. Now the mystery about this is that the apostle is saying something so remarkable. That actually solves the issue of soul winning. It solves the issue of going to fields and not having results. It solves it. <laughs> Let me even tell you this. If you are not a career of evidence, there is nothing that people will hear when you talk. <laughs> That's why you use a megaphone, you will shout and beg, no one will lift their hands to Christ. <laughs> are you here? Because he said, now thanks be unto God who hath made us. He has, Bible says, now God, God himself, who also has caused us to triumph in Christ and make manifest the sweet savor of his knowledge in every place by us. He is saying that to manifest a savor is not to talk about the savor. Are you here? I want to take you on a journey today because in fact there are some things I want to share with you about the blood there are dimensions of the blood <laughs> and I pray that the church of God will come to that revelation hallelujah oh hallelujah amen now so what he's trying to tell us is that evangelism is not going to preach it is spreading the sweet smell of Christ. Hmm. Evangelism is beyond holding a microphone to preach. It is spreading the sweet smelling of Christ. That's why a lot of us think that when church doesn't call evangelism in a year, evangelism is not happening. It is happening in your workplace. Hmm. You are the light of the world. A city that is late cannot, you know, is a, you, you are set on a hill. No one lighted a candle and put it under a bushel. So, once you are light, it's not your talk, it's your light. Follow me well. It's your light. <laughs> you are a sweet smelling saver. That is, I'm telling you, this is the dimension of witnessing that the world needs now. Because if it's preaching, they've heard it on radio. They are hearing it every day. In fact, they're preaching so much that they are numb to the voice of preachers. It's a life. It's a life. Because scripture said, in those days, when men shall see thy chest conversation, he says, severe people hold the hem of your garment and say, show us your God. You didn't preach. They begged you. Because there's a life you are showing. It's a saver. It's a saver. It's a saver. <laughs> it's a saver. Ian Bound said, a he said, preaching is but for an hour, but the sermon continues after, after, the, sermon, after, after the service. So after one hour of preaching, the sermon is continuing in my house. 
The sermon continues in my car. The sermon continues in my office. That is the message. <laughs> Are you here? Tonight, this afternoon, I want to bring you to a certain union. In fact, if you read scripture, the Bible says when the Lord gave the order by the which the victuals, according to Leviticus chapter 9, was sanctified. Bible says the people were sanctified. The ark was sanctified. The utensils were sanctified. The entire tabernacle was sanctified with the sprinkling of the ashes of Anaifa. What it was meaning was this, that by the means of the sprinkling of blood, we are brought into union to the standard of God. So the person is now the tabernacle because he is as sanctified as the premise he is worshipping in. What am I saying? By reason of the blood, you have come to the standard of God. By reason of the blood, you have been sanctified as God's DNA career. By reason of the blood, there was a spiritual blood transfusion that occurred. You have been placed in a dimension that cannot, in fact, he says, in fact, he says your DNA material cannot be measured. There is no apparatus right now that can tell what kind of DNA you carry. Because God and man merged together. You are a supernatural mutant. <laughs> what it means is that, beloved, you can carry cancer and still live with cancer for 40 years. Mm, you get this. <laughs> oh. What should kill others? When they check your heart, your heart is bigger than usual, but you use it for 100 years. I just want to encourage somebody. I, I wish you can understand the revelation. What it means is that whether a medical test says you have a thing or you don't have it is inconsequential. Because having it means the human DNA is showing it. But it's taking over you means the divine DNA is stopping it. Are, are you understanding? <laughs> but many people, they go to those and they say, I have lupus. And they start allowing it to overwhelm them. I have allergies. Of course, every human being reacts to something. Obviously. Obviously. So if that one, you go and do allergy tests, all of us will have something to react to. But the moment you go and read it your whole life, I'm allergic to granite. I'm a Ghana, you are allergic to granite? Hey. Just say, you won't drink again. If I were you, because of granite, I can't be allergic. Kofi broke man. I'm allergic to Ghana. Kele Wele. I can't be. I can't be allergic to Ghana. It can't be. It, it can, so kings. It can't be part of my allergies. What do you mean by that? Allergic. And some people say they are allergic to Gary. You are allergic to cassava in Africa. <laughs> I, have, I have pity on you. Cassava. You are allergic to cassava. <laughs> Yesterday I told you that from Passover a divine reset has happened. From today, let there be a reset to everything biological, everything economical, everything emotional, everything marital. We command the divine reset. No, 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 no. I can't be allergic to this. So parakana. Supele Cabras. 
Hallelujah. And yesterday, I touched on some things. I'll come back here. I touched on some things. And what I touched on was this. Number one, the blood made payment for us. The blood is the receipt. It's the substance of the receipt. And I told you that Jesus Christ, when he's coming, will come in a vesture dipped in blood, not a vesture which is scarlet. Scarlet means that it's already red. Vesture dipped in blood means that by reason of the stain of the blood, there is proof an event occurred. So the blood in his white implies that payment has occurred. It's so serious that he is keeping that garment with the blood in it. So that in Revelation 19, when he's coming on the horse, he comes with the garment that is dipped in blood. So that he will tell the earth, I bought them. <laughs> so I've come to possess my possession. Anytime you are going to redeem a price, you have to send a receipt. When Jesus is come to redeem the church, he has to come with the receipt. His garment must be dipped in blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I told you that he himself leaving the scars in his body is the token of the invoice. He showed to us that truly is paid for. Truly is paid for. It is not illegal to say you must be rich. It is legally, legally, legally your right. Wealth is your portion. In fact, man of God, I was meditating on the word shalom. The root word is to pay. But the expressive word, I think when I come, I'll teach on some Hebrew words here. And I'll touch on Hebrew, you know, language a little bit so that you can understand the Hebrew language well. It will help you. And the Hebrew language, in fact, it's the most mystical language in the world. The whole world. The Hebrew. It's believed that God created the word, world in Hebrew. Adam and Eve spoke Hebrew. And Zephaniah 3 9 says, I will give them, I'll make the people speak a, a pure language. It's Hebrew. So in the kingdom era, by supernatural resurrected capacity, we'll all speak Hebrew. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a mystery behind it. There's a mystery behind it. <laughs> now, the word shalom means wellness, it means wholeness, it means peace, it means tranquility, it means clearness of mind, it means prosperity, it means salvation. Shalom. That word shalom, it means, it means a whole lot of things. And Jesus now said in John chapter 14, I think verse 27. Can we see it? John 14, 27. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Now look what he said. Peace, I live with you. Now he's speaking Hebrew to his disciples. Shalom, I live with you. My shalom, I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Because the world's shalom is you are prosperous because there's no poverty. It means that your prosperity means you have money. Anytime the world is giving peace, you get into the Oxford Dictionary, it says that peace is the absence of war. But Jesus says, My peace is not like that. <laughs> My peace is not like that. My peace, there will be war, but you have peace. My peace, there will be scarcity, but you are, you are wealthy. I, I don't know if you get it. My peace, situations are contrary to what should make you happy, 
but you have joy unspeakable, full of glory. That is the peace of Christ. But the shocking part about it is that he said, my peace. So it means that if you now replace all the meanings of shalom there, it means that Jesus is saying, my wholeness I give to you. So the wholeness you have is not something God created somewhere. It is the very wholeness Jesus lives in, walked in, and experienced. Now, if peace also means health, shalom, then Jesus is also saying, my health I give to you. So today your health status is Jesus' health status. Mm. Mm. Then he's also telling me that my, he said, my, my peace, shalom, which is prosperity. Jesus is saying that I've also given you my prosperity. So my wealth status is what I've given to you. Beloved, where on earth? No wonder he said, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. When you walk every morning eh, and you wake up, your body is acting funny. The doctor said you have something. Tell the devil that the health I have is not what I have by myself. It is the health of Jesus. It's the wealth of Jesus. It's the wholeness of Jesus. It's the prosperity of Jesus. It's the comfort of Jesus. It's the tranquility of Jesus. So I cannot be in this predicament. It's illegal. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yesterday, we also understood something about the blood. I mentioned a couple of things about the blood. We also understood something about the blood being a protection, a means of protection, or a means that speaks on our behalf. And we see that from Exodus chapter 12, from 23 to 24. Bible said that the Lord said to Moses smear the blood on thy doorpost that when the destroying Jews shall come it shall pass over you so by means of the blood beloved we are protected I said by means of the blood we are protected your protection is in the blood as long as the blood is over you you are protected you are protected I said you are protected you are protected Say I'm protected. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. All right. All right. All right. So now let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Let's go there quickly. All right. Now thanks be unto God, which causes us always to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Remember yesterday, Colossians chapter 2. Verse 15, we said, Christ made an open show. All right? He made what? He made an open show. Say open show. Now, this open show actually was an event that often ha- happened in Rome. You need to understand that anytime Paul is writing, you know, Paul is a masterful writer. When he was in prison in Ephesians chapter 6, he was what they call Nero's prisoner. At that time, he was a prisoner to the emperor in his final days on earth. So he wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus whose pastor was Timothy. So Paul was so smart that he wrote a letter to the pastor personally and wrote a letter to the entire church for their reading. 
and those letters, the, church, the letters to the churches, if you read Revelations 1, 2, 3, you realize that what was read to Laodicea was also read to Smyrna. So he said to the angel of the church of Smyrna, right, by the end, let him that had an ear hear what the angel saith to the churches, not to the church. So it means what happens in Smyrna, they'll read that letter also in Pergamos. Then they'll read Pergamos' letter in Tartaria. So they were mixing letters. So if you remember in the, in the story of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, Paul spoke about the letter which was read to the church of Laodicea. He said, I wish them that are in the city of Laodicea that they'll be knit and their hearts be joined. You know, that they'll stand complete in all the will of God. Colossians chapter 2. Are you here? Alright. So Paul was masterful in his writings. So when he was in that prison in Rome, under the, it was a house arrest actually. And this prison was actually the highest prison status any Roman should, could get. Because his prison, there were two types of prison. He had gone to prison three times. When he was in Philippi, writing a letter to the Philippians, that prison was the prison called the dungeon. He was in the cesspool. He was in a liquid full of feces from the city. And he was writing, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. So he was in a predicament that was horrible. But he was encouraging others. If you are a man of God or a child of God here, you should know this is the paradox of the gospel. You will be in pain, but you are helping someone's pain. <laughs> Paul said, as poor, yet making others rich. As unknown, yet known. Let's clap our hands for mommy. Hallelujah. Welcome back. Amen. Are you here? Okay. So what is happening now is this that this apostle Paul at this time was in Nero's prison. In fact, according to historians, it's believed that Nero's palace was so large underneath the palace was a special prison for the empress special, you know, people. And those people, they were not guarded by the normal legionnaire nor the common ordinary parambulate soldier. They were guarded by what we call the Praetorian Guards. And the Praetorian Guards were the best of the best amongst the legionnaires. Some of them were seasoned soldiers who had gone for, you know, wars. So the people who went for wars were called the legionnaires. Their generals became tribune, prefects, proconsul, and they became political heads. So in the Roman setup, the political heads were all military men. To be a, a Roman senator, you should have gone for, you know, the senators, yes, you should know how to talk, but the proconsuls, the provincial heads, pilot and the rest, they were ex-military officers. So, he also had another squad who were not officers, but were actually outstanding legionnaires. Close to your retirement, he now enrolls you into what they call the Praetorian Guard. And those guys, they chose the best to guard the, the emperor. And those guys, they, they have higher armor than the normal legionnaires on the field. In fact, in, if you check some of the pictures of the Roman soldiers, you realize that some of them, they could go to battle barefooted. That's the common, commonness who had been enrolled into the army. So if they conquer your city, all your citizens will be enrolled. So they were not legionnaires, but they were just common, ordinary soldiers. But they go to battle barefooted. They were like footmen. Then we had the legionnaires who were a little better dressed. But the Praetorians were different. If you check online, you even see that the Praetorians, their cape was not red. It was purple. Because they were connected to the emperor. They were special. Some of them even had masks. They covered their face with a black face so you can't detect who it is. And this one of them that was standing at guard with Paul. 
And as Paul was meditating, he looked at all the things he had taught the that he has dictated in his letter to the church of Ephesus and said, finally, my brethren, after everything I've said, he looked at the prison, prison officer and said, put on the whole armor of God. <laughs> Another time, in Hebrews chapter 12, he said, wherefore, seeing that we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin doth, doth easily beset us. Running. And so that, that scripture in Hebrews 12, a lot of us have preached it as in, you know, weights are, you know, sin is different. No, no, no. That's what he's talking about. If you, it's called, it's called contextual literature. What it means to say is that, for instance, John, when John calls a person a liar, it's not someone who tells lies. So John, first John says that he that lies, will not enter the kingdom of God. But John's context of lie is one who has denied the existence of Christ. That's a liar. <laughs> so there's something we call contextual words that the apostles used. Are you here? Yes, sir. Oh, are you here? <laughs> Paul here in context is talking about two things. Every weight and sin every weight and notice he defined sin the sin so it can't be fornication it can't be theft no no the sin means there's a particular thing he's talking about <laughs> in context he gives a definite article to sin the sin that easily besets us now he's in context if you read what he's talking about the weight has to do with pride and the sin has to do with unbelief. Because Hebrews 3 says, they could not enter the rest because of unbelief. So if you read it, unbelief and pride, pride is trusting yourself. Unbelief is not trusting God. Those two things, they easily beset us. It, it can catch you at any time. Easily, you don't believe. Easily, you, you believe yourself than God. That is what he's talking about. Because he said, if you don't put unbelief and pride aside, you can run the race with patience because you'll be in a hurry that God is delaying. So you have to lay it aside. And when he was also talking about this, he was linking it to a certain guy called Osiput Megara. And Osiput Megara was the earlier, if you check it online, you see his name. He was the first Olympian to run the 100 meter dash. It was called, the, it was called a dash. He ran it naked. So he was wearing nothing. And he came to the line on your marks, naked. As soon as he said, pa! So Paul was making an allusion to Osipus Megara that put away every encumbrance that is preventing you from running freely. That is why today, through him, they now devised, devised streamlined garments. That's when you watch Olympics. It's like all their dresses are skin tight. They are creating garments that are close to the skin that prevents friction. Osiput Megara. He ran naked. He performed naked. In fact, he did the running, he did discus, he did javelin throw, all naked. Yes. Because he didn't want anything to limit his fluidity. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this is it. This is what Paul is always making an allusion. 
Anytime he's writing what he's writing. I want you to get what I'm talking about. So Paul also in 2 Corinthians chapter... No, if you get it well, it will bless your life to understand Paul's writings. For instance, in Romans chapter 7, Paul makes an allusion between the law and a man with a marriage situation. That the law is like a husband who is married. That's Romans 7. He's giving a picture about law and us. That the law was married to us. And the only way we can be free from the law is death. So he said the woman is married to a man. The man is good. The man is well. He's perfect. But she wants to be free. If she walks away, she will commit adultery. The only way for her to be free is for her to die. <laughs> so Paul is very masterful in the way he communicates. Are you here? Are you here? So let's go back. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Let me hurry up. Today I have, I, have, I have some very powerful things to share with you. So let me hurry up. 2 Corinthians 2 5. So it's not time to who caused us to triumph always. It says in Colossians chapter 2, 15, he makes an open show. Now the word open show was actually an allusion to how when an emperor won a battle in a nation, he returns to the capital and the entire nation is told of the re-entry. Julius Caesar experienced it. Julius Caesar left for a campaign in Germanicus. And when he was coming back, because he wanted to commit treason, in fact, he was a general. Julius Caesar was a general who rose quickly in the ranks. So by the time he was coming, he had gained so much favor, they wanted to prevent him from entering the city. Because they know if he marches into Rome, he's the boss. So there was a law, if you've watched a lot of Roman movies, you cannot march with an army into Rome. They often say, the Senate will say, if he marches into Rome, he's either committing treason or he's a coup d'etat. Because the one who marches into Rome is saying that I've taken over the nation. Now, that's what we call the open show. And Jesus said, and this is what happened. In Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says they stripped Jesus naked and they beat him and they scourged him and did all they did to him. But beloved, Jesus was smiling because he knew that's what's going to happen to them in the spirit. Do you know the Bible says he made an open show of them in Colossians chapter 2 15. Having spoken principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In it is the cross. In it is what? The cross. But he says the open show which Jesus made. Thank God, Bishop is in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That you are welcome. <laughs> All right. So he made a show of them openly. And this show. Hallelujah. Actually, there's a version called the Cornembine, and it was a 17th century translation. And that 17th translation said that Jesus stripped the enemy to utter nakedness. And when he had stripped him to utter nakedness, he left him nothing to retaliate with. So Satan was stripped of everything till he was literally naked. He had nothing to retaliate to the believer. Oh, have you not read what Isaiah said? Isaiah 54. Hide the Lord. I'm he that made the blacksmith. Verse 16. I am the Lord. I like that scripture. I created the blacksmith that, that bloweth the coal. So the one who is able to make weapons, I created him. Before he comes to say in 17, no weapon. So he's trying to tell you that if you don't believe what I'm saying, the one you think has a certain weapon he can make that you think I don't know about. Everyone who blows the fire into coal to make a weapon, I created him. Mm. 
So they don't have the intelligence. Neither do they have the te- technology. So when I tell you, no weapon that any of them can make. Any of them, he didn't say they can't make. He said that is fashioned against you. So it means they will have the opportunity to make the weapon. Ah, but what I have made you, their technology cannot match. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So let them throw their arrows. We'll walk through it. We'll walk through it. I'm a Tobia Salabasha. That's the beautiful thing about God. Before he tells you something, for instance, before he tells you, arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. Isaiah 60. Go to Isaiah 59, verse 21. You see what he's talking about before you come. So you know what you are doing to arise. Arise is not just standing up. There's what to do to arise. What do you say? As for me, I've made a covenant with them. My spirit is upon them. My voice is in their mouth. And I've put it in their children and their children's children. Henceforth and forever. 61 now says, now arise. Why? Because Job said it in Job 22. If you decree a thing, it shall be established on you. And God will cause light to shine on your path. Ephesians 5.13 says, it is light that doth make manifest. So it means light shining on your path means that God will make your path manifest because you declared. So how do I arise and shine? If I'm doing something and I realize it's going down, it means I have to just increase my talking. I just have to increase my talk because that's how I arise. So I'm doing something, it's like I'm going down. The business is going down. The ministry is going down. The marriage is going down. Start talking. It's not prayer. Talk. There's a remedy for it. It's not a prayer topic. Because sometimes you can be doing something, you plateau. There's no up, there's no down. It's just normal. If you check yourself, it means you'll stop talking about the matter. Because I can have a car. Then when the car came, you stop talking. No. When one car comes, probably God has 100 cars. Keep talking. I have cars. I have cars. That's what Christians do. We'll get one car. And another 50 years before we get another one. Because till the spouse will not declare a new one. But it's like a shoe. If you have seven shoes, they can last ten years. If you have one in six months, you have to be replacing talking. <laughs> and in any case, if God gives you ten cars, can't you help others? That's the goal of prosperity. To make known the way of Jesus. Prosperity. Hallelujah. So this is what happened. So now the emperor is now entering the city. But this is how they go about it. Number one, I want to show you the procession well. So you understand the show Jesus did for us. Is somebody here? The next time Satan comes to worry your peace, tell him, I know the show was done. You have been stripped to utter nakedness. You have nothing left to retaliate. So stop saying when you went to lay hands on somebody, the spirit left the person and entered you. No, it's a revelation we have in the church. I don't know why. That you did the crusade, and after the crusade, the attack was so strong, your church caught fire. Hey, I wonder. It's like we've made Satan powerful. You see, he cannot be powerful. He cannot be powerful. And the demons know those who know their right. When I was growing up, I never wanted to eat before I go and cast out the devil. Because I was afraid the demon would talk. Yeah, because I was in the service once. And the power said, come out. The demon said, oh. Didn't you just eat rice this morning? I saw you eating the rice. When we are, hey, hey, a man, yeah. 
a man was, <laughs> they were doing what? Out, out, out. Then some of us said, call brother, call brother Andrews. They immediately, the spirit said, ah, Andrews leave us out. <laughs> That's what the spirit said. He said, ah, Andrews leave us out. So when the man was coming, he was wondering why the demon was mocking him. So as soon as he stood there, he said, ah, they said you should fast. 6 a.m., you ate. And you are come to cast me out. He felt so embarrassed, he left. He didn't know it was the plot of the devil. Anytime you are dealing with Satan, he will remind you of the thing that weakened you. And that is proof he is being affected. That was the last time. Whether I pray, I don't pray, I come for a program, and someone is manifesting. I tell the devil, they didn't say I should pray seven hours. They didn't say I should intensify powers. They say if I cast you out, if I try, I won't go. Where? No, where? That, you, you think this is debaters club? Where? I won't go. They meet a man saying, go. I won't go. I say, come on. Then I also tell Osher, this one is a strong one. Put it at the back. It's a thousand year spirit. It's a lie. The one I carry is an eternal spirit. He is older than any demon. He is older than any witch. <laughs> no, come to the place where when you hear devil, your expression changes. If there's any way you can't be angry at, Satan's name should make you go like me. Satan. Satan. <laughs> I'll deal with you. Amen. Yes. I had Bishop James I'll give the story. He said they were coming from Port Harcourt. They were going to Benin City. And as they were going, all of a sudden there was a thunderstorm in the sky. The pilot couldn't see anywhere. The whole place was off. Radar off. So he started hearing the pilot trying to connect. Then Bishop, um, Archbishop Benson Dowser stood up. And he was with Bishop James in the plane. He was the secretary. And he said he went to the cockpit and realized the man was lost. He said they've lost contact with control center. So they were off track. They were going somewhere else. Then he just lifted her and said, Father, let him connect. So when he connected, they were flying over Lagos. So I'm sure those who know Nigeria, from Portaco to Lagos towards Benin City, it's like they have detour cryer. They were coming to Ghana. <laughs> the way it was going. <laughs> so as soon as they contacted, Bishop James started praying, said, Lord, please, don't let your son die. So they finally got Lagos Control Center and landed because, of course, if you know aviation, there's full budget. So if you do that trip, you might get stuck in the air. So they had to land quickly, refuel and everything. So they landed. It was raining. So they finally landed in Lagos. And they got down for the plane to refuel and everything, and they'll come back. So when they got down, Bishop James said, thank you, Jesus, for delivering your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Papa, please, let's go and take a bus. And Archbishop said, Bass for what? He said, so we continue the journey to Benin City. He said, no, no, no. He said, sir, we nearly died. Let's go by bus. He said, Archbishop looked at him and says, he said, James, he said, Ghana boy. He said, Ghana boy, we are going back into the air to finish the devil. He said, let's go back. Some of you have been kneeling down, waving your hands. And you think that is triumph. <laughs> He said, we are going back into the air. Now, if you're a Bible student, you understand that it is spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So, as you are entering air, you are coming to their zone. But the man said, let's go back into the air and finish the devil. What is the reason? I started by telling you this. It's knowledge. You see, the knowledge of the Most High is such that, I was telling some people recently, I, I want to say this and I'll come back. The knowledge of the Most High is such that, 
contrary to the knowledge of the most high is the knowledge of the mundane our educational system our television our fellowships are all in the zone of mundaneness so if you not realize for close to 23 hours to 24 hours of your life unconsciously you relate to the mundane the way you sit down the way you eat the way you sleep even to sleep you always contact your feeling in your body to do something you like you always contact how you feel before you do it even prayer we pray because ah, it's a long time i prayed let, let me try because everything around you is designed to make you flesh but the moment you enter into consistent consciousness of the realm of the spirit you understand that i can eat the way to a point where just communion cup and bread can take me for 40 days and it's not like i felt hunger and i bound it i can go like that in the spirit of communion for 40 days and i'm not asked for normal food because there's a place i've entered into i'm eating the soul of the scripture i'm fed so i feed my spirit to the point where my biology is frozen So if I rather eat food, I shouldn't eat. I'll start having running stomach. And it's not because I'm cursed. It's because the biology has swapped appetite. Listen, so what I'm trying to tell you is this, that these things we are talking about is a certain dimension of consciousness we are communicating to you. You see, in our case, we have to relate in the spirit. In the case of those who go to the shrine, they see it physical. So it dawns on them. That blood is being poured. No wonder God also was smart and gave us a cup and said, The cup of blessing. So that thing in the cup will help your image to help your mind. That oil in the bottle, it will help your mind that anointing has touched you. But anointing is always there. But the, the, the thing we point is just a mental agreement that something touched my hair. So I came to college. I told you yesterday, Samson's hair was growing. But he was not aware. Because if you read the scripture, you see the narrator now told us, and Samson's hair began to grow. And the Lord had mercy on him. And his, he said his strength was coming back to him. But Samson didn't say it so. It was the one who was writing the story who told us this. But Samson thought the mercy is not back. So God, scripture is saying that the mercy of God was coming back to Samson. He had forgiven him. Yes, Samson is now at the pillars asking for mercy. Uh, the day you know this you will know that you can't carry sickness it's illegal no 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 no. death has lost its sting you see when we were unbelievers death can sting you at any time but once we are in Christ death only escorts you as a faithful servant to the next realm so when you need to go death will come and say are you ready sir okay he can't sting you and let me show you a secret today. He said, oh death, where is your stage? When they bring a python or a, a cobra here and they tell you that, hey, for instance, when you look at these Indian guys playing flute and the snake comes out of the basket, we are afraid for them, isn't it? But the moment they tell them, oh, the poison in the snakes, this thing is gone. Oh, it's like a normal pussycat biting. It's like a normal pussycat biting. So that poison is not there again. So when they bite you, it's normal. Just clean it. It's the same way when Jesus said through the apostle death the stinge of death the poison of death has been taken away 
So though we die, we don't die in pain. You must know this. Listen, it's a consciousness you need to have. You give too much power to Satan because the Bible says he was left nothing to retaliate with. So whatever is retaliating with, somebody has given it to him. And it must be me. <laughs> it must be me. Because the devil, I said to you yesterday, Revelation 12, verse 8, and there was found no room for him in heaven. So whoever has become an innkeeper, allowing Satan to have bed and breakfast free, is the reason why he's retaliating your life. Because you have given him a room to sit down. You wake up in the morning, you are down. That's not God telling you the day will be bad. You have a bad dream, you wake up, and the uh, uh, Bible says in Jeremiah that these are the people who have eaten in their sleep, yet woke up hungry. So what is it? There are none of us are wizards. Do you know what? Even fasting, you'll be sleeping. By the time you open your eyes, you're eating for food in your dream. Fasting man. God delivered me. I, I will fast the next day, Lord, every spirit of witchcraft. Because I went to read Okok Grandmaster now in Christ. So I said, I'm a blind witch. God said, don't be silly. What kind of witch is blind? What, what is a witch that doesn't know is a witch? Now, when you're drinking human blood, don't you know the blood you are drinking? Is it Fanta? You can't be a blind witch. That's not what kind of terminology is a blind witch. You are a witch without you knowing. Hey, babe. Now, when I saw a man of God, the next time I went for a fasting and I, I saw myself eating fufu. I just sent a text. Please, when I get home, prepare for food. It means that God has given me word of knowledge that my lunch must be fufu. I'm not going to give Satan any power that they are feeding me, initiating me. <laughs> triumph in Christ Jesus. I said triumph in Christ Jesus. Triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So what happens now is that as soon as this emperor is coming at the entrance, the entire senate is announced and they get to the gate. Because the senators didn't go to fight. So the senators join. Then the senators start leading the procession. The whole city is gathered in the capital. And the senators come and they start marching. Behind the senators are the trumpeters. Blowing the trumpet and announcing the victory of the emperor. And as he's entering, there's a cat that carries a big bull for a sacrifice. And as it's also coming, they are pushing it. Behind the bull of sacrifice is the captured king. And he's naked. He's in chains and he's naked because they want to humiliate him. So everything Satan thought he was doing to Jesus, the cross was his chain. And the man, you think he walked in Jerusalem covered? No. That's how he was going. And it was like they had put a robe on him, like a towel. So it was, you could see everything. And he was just walking through the streets and the women were weeping. And Jesus looked at them and said, weep not for me. So he said, what, we are, what is happening here is not Satan's power. We are enacting something we will do to him. Because you see, the issue is, the devil took hold of this mandate through a transaction involving men. So I also need to go through that same transaction to reverse it. That's what I'm going through. In fact, let me say this emphatically. If there was no sin, there would not be need for blood. So the man was going through the process because I had to line this path. 
with blood. And the cross is the chain. And it's moving. Just as the conquered king is walking naked in the streets of the capital, so Jesus also walked naked on the road to Golgotha. And something happened. All his generals too were behind him. And all their military arsenals and clothing were also put in a cart following. But as they were going, something happened. Say something happened. happened. There were musicians who were singing about the conquest. I pray for the church of God that the musicians God will raise in our time will stop singing about a God who is about to do something and start singing about a God who has finished all things. Let's stop begging God. The only time begging is allowed in our songs is on the premise of intimacy. It is a cry of yearning. My soul tested after thee. Because he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst, they shall be filled. That thirst and hunger is such that the more you eat, the more you are hungry. That's why in your prayer and in your cry to God, the more you know, then shall we know him. Even as we go on to know the Lord. Hosea 6, 3. And John 17, you know, Bible says, and this is life eternal. To know him, the one true God. So the purpose of eternal life is to know God. So beloved, if you think there is studying that is going to end here, there is studying going to happen in eternity. We will still be learning about Jesus and God. They are the most inexhaustible subjects of the ages. We will be learning about God. Mm. What do the angels see and every day they say holy? They said holy for eternity. They will say that it means for millions over millenniums, millions of years, dinosaur age, whatever the scientists said 200 million years ago, before, before. Angels have been saying holy. So 200 million years is not enough to exhaust the surprising capacity of God. He will keep surprising us even in the ages to come. <laughs> you think you know God? Oh man. That's why those who know God, the older they get, they go like, I don't know God. I'm still learning. Because the older you get, you realize that high lofty estimation was human. Because to describe God is to diminish God. The moment you say God is peace, you have reduced God to peace. He is more than peace. The moment you say God is powerful, He is not powerful. He is the. Ah, Mundo Lobo Shaba. He is power and not just power. He is the power that makes power defined as power. You see, there's a dimension of God. When you get there, I've told you before. All you say is. Mm. Like you, mm. no wonder the prophet said, I am undone. I pray God will show you a dimension of Him. When you see God there, eh, you'll vibrate. I wonder how I can see God and your eyes are still hard. You've not yet seen God. When you meet God, you'll cry. Hey, you'll cry. You realize that even things you thought, oh, watching TV is not a big deal. You realize that, ah, if I only knew that instruction stop watching TV and go and pray in this dimension of holiness I would kneel down and say sorry sir let me tell you something the more spiritual you get the more tight the restrictions when you are young God can allow you to do anything when you grow you can't do everything 
<laughs> As these musicians were singing of the conquest of the king, the priests also showed up and they were offering incense. And the conquering king, in his full regalia, was walking with flower escorts, throwing petals at his feet. And Bible says we are the priests who are showing forth the sweet smelling of his conquest. Beloved, I wish you knew what the blood is. In Leviticus chapter 8, the blood was used to anoint the ear, the right thumb, and the big great toe. In Leviticus 14, the oil was used to anoint the ear, the right thumb, and the great toe. The blood and the spirit are connected. Or have you not read what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? You have been bought at a price, blood. But you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So he purchases you with blood so you can serve the spirit's interest. So when the blood comes, beloved, the markings of the blood makes you the property of the spirit. By reason of the blood, you are owned by the spirit to do what God wants to do. To do what God wants to do. And Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, he said, first of all, it is he that came by water, but not by water alone. He came by water and by blood. Tagum Yonasin, a Jewish historian who wrote oral traditions from the book of Haggai right down to Malachi, wrote and said about Moses striking the rock. He said, according to the oral traditions of the Jews, when Moses struck the rock the first time, blood came out. But when he struck it the second time, it was water. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the rock that followed them was Christ. So he came by blood and by water. He came by blood to terminate the old life. And came, oh, sabalabasha, by water to regenerate the life of the spirit. Now, beloved, I'm just summarizing yesterday's message. Yes, I'm still summarizing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Now, I want to touch on three major applications of the blood, where the blood was used at. Number one, there are three major categories by which the blood was used. Number one, it was used for God word, towards God. It was used towards man and it was used towards the devil. It was used towards the devil. I think the devil's one, I touched on it a little bit yesterday. But let me touch toward God. Now the Bible says when the Lord God had created Adam, he said to him in Genesis 3, that of all the fruits in the garden thou mightest eat, Genesis 2, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil should not, should not touch. Because in the day you touch it, you will surely die. You surely die. Now, Adam in his disobedience went to eat the wrong tree. Let me say this. Anytime you obey, you become more like what God intended you to be from the beginning. Anytime you disobey, you mutate away from what God has already intended for you. Obedience and disobedience has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you. Because when you obey, you are not complying. You are yielding. And the more you yield, the more you become what you yield to. In the realm of the spirit, 
according to Romans chapter 6, 13 down to 16. He said, you are whose servants, whoever ye obey. So whatever you obey, you subscribe to service to that thing you've obeyed. So when the Bible says then that Adam should not eat the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God was telling Adam that there's something I want to do. As long as you stick to this plan, every day you are becoming more like me. The day you go against it, you mutate and become something else. That is not me. And the moment Adam went to disobey, Ephesians chapter 2 says, in verse 3, the spirit that energizes the children of disobedience. So anytime you are disobeying, there's an energy from hell. Oh, get this right. Anytime you are disobeying, remember you are being energized by a contrary spirit. That's what scripture said. It said, according to the prince of the power of the air, and, the, and, and, you know, and him that worketh, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. So there's a force that helps you to disobey. <laughs> so be careful when you are disobeying. You are being energized on the other way. That worketh the children of disobedience. Alright. Hallelujah. Please, are you here with me at all? Alright. Okay. So what is happening now is this that after God had now told Adam not to touch the fruit of the tree of uh, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam was supposed to come to a certain place where by working with God, a certain tutelage was going to be his portion. Because fellowship was the means of learning. Fellowship was the means of learning. As long as Adam is fellowshiping with God, something is happening to him he's not aware of. Our spirit life. It's not defined in academic terms. It's defined in organic terms. Academic terms means that you can read every page of the scripture. If you did it without fellowship, what you read will not work for you. That's why occult grandmasters can read the Bible back to back. But it didn't change them. It's not academic studies. It's organic living. So I have to study on the premise of fellowship. No wonder the Apostle John said, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which have handled, uh, concerning the world of life. He said the same was with God from the beginning. Then he says, when we read these things, we have fellowship with the Father. And fellowship with the apostles who have also written the letters to us. So as long as you are reading it in organic terms, whoever wrote what you are writing, it's as if the person sitting with you talking to you. Now, follow what I'm saying. Now, God now has given a rule. But once upon a time, by this rule, Adam now breaks it. And when Adam breaks this rule, Adam has sinned. And surely the soul that sins must die. The soul that sins must die. And if the soul that will sin must die, according to the law, Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the animal is in the blood. So once blood is spilled, it means life has been spilled. So now that Adam has sinned, God must be placated. Because remember this, and let me say this, the mistake we make as Christians is that we think that because God is a loving father, God is not a just father. The justice of God is what enables his love. Let me put it this way. The justice of God is what enables his love. Reason being this, his justness is on the remit that he has bound himself in the parameters of what he said. So God cannot say, I'll bless you. Then two minutes later I say, I've changed my mind. No. Once he says, I'll bless you, even if you are doing something contrary to the blessing, the blessing will be hanging on your head. He will not return it. That is the reason why, no matter what Lucifer does, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Because his justness is what enables his capacity to love what is not lovable. 
on the remit of his justice that makes you loved even if he wants to choose not to love you because he's bound by his word is the same reason why when you violate the word he can't also stop the verdict so I love Adam because I'm just I'm unsolid I'm unflinchingly just nothing you do will change the way I am he cannot deny himself to go against what he has said is to deny who he is because he's bound by his word at the same time too because I'm also bound by my word to love you in that same vein I'm also bound by my word to carry out justice you must die but I love you some people don't know there is something called mercy death let me explain it there are some people God will tell them change change you won't listen change this message you are preaching is causing problem in the body of Christ you say you won't hear God will allow you see God will usually protect you but when God is there you say you won't listen God will just that's what Peter and Paul said deliver his body to Lucifer so God will lift his protection and things will touch your body your dying will be your salvation because if he doesn't let you die you will undo everything you did so sometimes some people's death is the mercy of God <laughs> Ken Higgins said it he said one day he was going to pray for someone and as he was going to pray for the person he was praying God said he's going to die he said well, hi he said because he has been living in adultery I've warned him so many times as my servant he's still not listening so he must die and he said, Lord, why? Because I told you God is love. At the same time, he's just. He's blending the two. His love is to keep you so you meet him. His justice is that he will not spare for punishment. Oh, is somebody... Is somebody. That's why there's a level when you come into God's governmental structure. You don't make excuses for everything. Because they can collect the truth and you're not aware. You can be crownless, but you don't know. You think you are still the boss. The, the oil is gone. Do you... Do you know that Saul would have lived as king without knowing that God has taken the kingdom? Yeah. No, go and read the story. You'll be shocked. When I read that, I said, ah, someone loves Saul. It was someone who came to tell him. He told him that I'm going to give this guy a test. I've been telling him that I don't trust Saul. But you someone say you like him. Okay, go ahead. But they say they want him. They've, so even someone was angry that they've rejected him. He said, someone, they've not rejected you, they've rejected me. So he and God became best friends. They were together in their place. Then the people said, now that then God said, go and tell him that when he goes to Amalekites, he should carry out the verdict these people carry. Amalekites means they, they kill you and wipe you out. In fact, the Amalekites' modus operandi in war is when they are fighting you, they will wipe your entire seed away. That guy who met Mordecai, the descendant of Agag, he was going to use the same modus operandi. You see, it's an Amalekite thing not to kill Mordecai. Because if Mordecai is the one who anointed you, kill him. But he said you will kill Mordecai and every Jew. Every Jew. That's, that's the model. So God said, the way they act, eh, do it for them. Number two, the Amalekites worship what we call Ashtoreth, the sun god. So he says, when Joshua made a decree, he said, my son, you have caught it. These people fight with sun. So if the sun goes down, they say because the sun went down, they lost the battle. So Joshua picked into that revelation and said, Lord, let the sun be on. Let them have advantage and let them know that it is not the sun that is going to do this thing. We will finish them. So 23 hours to 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 11, 12 midnight, and they were still slaughtering them. The sun was still waiting. 
They finished them before the sun went down. So that nobody will say Israel had undue advantage. Do you know what happened now? He has kept these sheep and goats for sacrifice. So, everyone who was made king in Israel had to offer a bullock to God. Saul didn't do it. He was rather going to use somebody's sheep and goats to rather do his ceremonial offering. That's all. God didn't say anything. So when they were sheep, he brought it. Someone was asleep. And God came to say, Samuel, that's so. No, God has a way when he's angry, he will change my soul to that. When <laughs> Israel was called my people, when Israel annoyed, he said, These people are a stiff naked people. And Moses said, hey, 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 hey. They were in their Egypt. Me, I was even thinking about myself, taking care of sheep and goat. You told me I should come. I came, I came to stand there. I thought you told me something proper. Go and save my people. You have heard their cry. And I asked you, I wanted to ask you, the way you are in the bush right now, if you have heard some people's cry, appear to feel. It's not fair you have to go and give warning. Me, I'm here in bush. No, it's a very strange thing. Because the guy was wondering. He has never met the God of Jacob before. He's a stranger to the ways of God. Because if you understand that Jethro's tent, they were Midianites. They were extension to Israel. So they had a certain knowledge of the practice of God. Yet God, they say, I've come down to save them. And he said, what are you doing in the bush? They are giving pressure to go and to, to the same thing God is doing now. As soon as he's angry, he will change. <laughs> he said, These people. So Moses said, Hey, 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 don't say these people. Your people. Because they were even worshiping idols when you say I should go and save them. When I went, I said, I am. They didn't even know who you were. I had to do miracles before I said, Ha, we can follow this guy. He has the power to do it. He said they didn't believe the sign of the first one, I am. They didn't know who I am was. So he had to do miracles before they believed that this guy can be saying something. It's the same way. After he chose Saul and now Saul goes to misbehave, he comes to Samuel. Samuel, that's all that you will choose. I've turned the kingdom for away. And Bible said immediately Saul woke up, started looking for his morning coat, wore his sticks, and quickly he ran. So someone didn't even know why the man is bored this early morning. That he has woken him up with a strong vision. He only gets to the house of Saul. He hears breathing. He ah! Ah! What have you done? He said, look, in the spirit, eh, the one God chooses has thousand chances. The one who got in by mercy has one chance. You were not the choice. So your chance was only one. And he said, so someone was like, ah! And after telling him, instead of him to repent, he didn't repent. He rather came to hold someone's garment. And the nonsense thing he said was that, lead me and let us offer to Israel that Israel may know God is with me. So I want a cosmetic association without organic fellowship. And he says, so, the way my dress got on is how God told me in the morning. The kingdom was done. No, he became so repetitive in his entire ministry. When even Samuel died, demons knew how to repeat the prophecy. And which called the spirit of Samuel and said, didn't I tell you when I was alive that the kingdom is gone? <laughs> because it, it came like a recorded cassette. Because look, God has told you 13 years ago, 15 years ago, that the kingdom is gone. You wake the man up after many years of your kingship. And he comes and he's still using the same what you call present tense continuous today. He told you today, 20 something years ago. He's, because it's a cassette. 
He's not telling you that last week. <laughs> he should have told him that 20 years ago, your kingdom left you. But he said today. Because they recorded, it was a recorded vision. That's what the witches used. They recorded what someone said to him whilst he was alive. And played it when the spirit of someone showed up. But when you put it comically, I'm sure when someone showed up, he said, ah, what am I doing here? So, what is it? He said, God has not talked to you. Ah, so you, how many times <laughs> do I have to tell you your chances? One, one chance. You blew it 20 something years ago. That's it. There is nothing you will do to reverse it. Are you here tonight? Are you sure you're here? No, I want you to understand what has been done for us. I wish you can, you can, I wish I can put you into what Jesus has done for you. You walk boldly. To be bought is a serious matter. To be bought is a serious matter. Your freedom is your purchase. If you didn't know, he purchased you to be free. He purchased you to walk free. He says, stand therefore in the liberty where right wherewith Christ has given you. So you were bound in the slave market. He brought blood as the currency. He bought you. And when he bought you, he said, go free. Because if you want to serve me, you must come and present your members. I will not ask it. If you don't want to present, it's up to you. But come and present it. Today we'll go and preach to people. Because they are free. He died for them. But they must say, Sir, I willingly, you own me, but I willingly subject my body to your Lordship. That's the beauty of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's on the premise of purchase the blood and it says we the saints it is the knowledge of the truth that we have been purchased and the way we live our lives as the purchased ones soul spirit and body that makes the fragrance of the beauty of the purchasing power of Christ known to everyone in every place today some of you make Christ look like a wicked master he said you have robbed me what have that robbed me in inside this entire enough? I said, Go, how did we rob you? You own everything. Didn't you say in Psalm 50 10 that was that the beast in the forest they are yours? A cattle on a thousand mountains are yours. The seven and gold are yours. How did I rob you? He said, Son, when you don't pay tight and you don't sow a seed, you deny me opportunity because I'm just. I am bound by regulation. I can only bless you when you put a seed on the altar. And it's in my blessing you look like a king's kid. So you are robbing me the right of responsibility. So once you don't give, you are making God look like an irresponsible father. Your poverty is insulting God. We are the reasons why people struggle to be Christians. We must show the sweet smelling fragrance. Where you should be angry, you are showing grace. Because that is the fragrance of our Lord. The greatest pastor I've come to learn in my small years of being a Christian is how transparent that pastor is. What do I mean by that? If I stand here and I do a healing and some people get healed, others don't get healed. Chances are that a little bit of Adam was in the service. They didn't see all of Christ. They saw some of Christ and some of Adam. My highest anointing is standing here so all you can see is Christ. That's how transparent I ought to be. I must be actually the magnifying glass of Jesus Christ. When I stand here, I'm like the focus lens 
towards the aspect of Christ I'm speaking about. But if I'm not it, Adam will block it. He will not see past me. Beloved, we must show the sweetness. But the sweetness is in understanding. I present my members. Beloved, if you don't present your members, you are angry. And you can't even explain why you're angry. And the unbeliever is wondering, ah, but if you say you're in Christ, you and me, we get the same anger tantrum. So, how should I believe? Because you are not showing forth the Lordship. The, the Lord is not freely owning you. But the time must come. Your anger is vet, vested in righteousness. What I mean by that is that by the time I'm rebuking somebody, I'm rebuking because the person already received the rebuke from the Lord. And God used me as a physical representation to appeal to the rebuke of the Spirit already received. So when I say, everybody sit down. Why are you doing the way you are doing things? It must confirm what God said to the praise leader or the prayer leader. That today when you can pray, don't, don't let them sink. That's the reason why I get So in other words, I'm now ministering. I was showing some people that, sir, Jonah's problem was he prophesied without God's emotions. And that is the mantra of the prophet. God said, go to Nineveh in three days' time. Tell them if they don't repent, they'll die. But the emotions of God was not to kill them, was for them to be repented. But Jonah got them fully the word without the emotions. So he was waiting for disaster. And the people repented. And God was happy. Yet Jonah was angry. That's what you've been doing, make me look like a liar. Every day, she prophesied and it doesn't come to pass. At least killed two. So they believed that a prophet came to town. Nobody dies. And I came to shout, I was sweating. How will, I, how will they believe me next time? And I like how God did it in Jonah 4. As Jonah was angry, the sun was scorching his head. I'm sure he was bad at that time. As the sun was scorching his head, God caused a certain plant to grow and give a shade. And Jonah was happy. Then all of a sudden, God let a worm enter the fruit of the plant. Then the plant wilted. Then his anger came back. Then God kept dropping water on his head. Stop getting angry. Stop getting angry. I sent you to do my work. If the purpose of the prophecy has achieved his goal of repentance. What is your own? Jonah's problem was he didn't add the emotions of God to the prophetic word. This is the greatest test for a prophet in our day. If I see that a mother, a cousin, an aunt is fighting you, I don't immediately say she should die. I must find God's emotions about that situation. That perhaps she doesn't know what she's doing. She's being used. So instead of saying she should die, father any blindness influence of hair over hair were left it that is correct emotion otherwise you will kill everybody you will divorce from every man because some men are not evil they are Peters there is a difference between Judas and Peter Judas has an evil heart Peter had an evil day Sometimes somebody is good-hearted, but you have one bad day. Huh. Let me touch on these two things and let me end. No, this is the, 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 the blood is so serious that, in fact, it's so serious that it can be a whole thing for the whole year. I'm telling you, the blood. But I want to touch on some part. I know this one you know, so I'll touch on it. I'll end with something powerful. Now, when we talk about the blood, Yesterday we understood that the application of the blood is true words. We apply the blood. Because if you read what Exodus 12, 33 and 34 said, he said they had to apply 
the blood on the doorpost with the high soap. So the high soap was like the brush, and they put it inside and dipped it and sprinkled it on the doorpost. Actually, in the New Testament, like I said, it is typology to what scripture calls, let us therefore offer the sacrifices of our mouths. Alright? Which is the fruit of our lips unto the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. He said, let us go out therefore bearing his reproach. Here have we no continuity. Uh-huh. Then he says, as Christ suffered without the gate, likewise, you know, we should also go out without the gate and offer sacrifices. Now he, after all that, he comes to say, let us therefore, therefore by him we offer sacrifices of our mouth, which is the fruit of our lips, giving of thanks. In fact, the word sacrifice, there's the word bullock in the Hebrew. It's the word bullock. So let us offer therefore the bullock of our mouth. So today, the way we offer the blood sacrifice is by our mouth, even giving thanks. And the giving thanks is the word homologio. It's not Eucharistio. Eucharistio is God has done something for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the car. Thank you, Jesus, for the house. No, that's not what he's talking about here. In this context, homologio is homologos. Same words. Same words means I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've sinned and I'm making this declaration. This declaration is actually true New Testament confession. Let me come back again. Eucharistio in everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning your life. It's giving thanks for events, things that have happened in your life. But the giving of thanks here to his name is the word homologo or homologio. And homologio is same words. It means that anytime you say what God has said, it is a type of giving of thanks, which is called the sacrifice of praise, the bull of praise. So your bull of praise is every time you say what God has said about your situation, that is the bull of praise you are giving. So you are broke, yet you say, ah, know ye not the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that for his sake, though he was rich, became poor, that me through his poverty might become rich. That declaration is homologio. Let the weak say I'm strong. So though I'm feeling weak, I'm strong in the name of Jesus. I declare contrary to my feeling. So Eucharistio is for events. Homologio is for the person. Because you are saying the same as Jesus has said. For instance, if Jesus says, go and sin no more, you are free. Beloved, don't say you are bound. The owner said you are free. When you walk, say I'm free. I'm free. The owner said you are healed. When you go to your room, no matter how much you feel the symptoms, I'm healed. I'm healed. That sacrifice of praise will bring the manifestation of your Eucharistio. So with that sacrifice of praise, saying what God has said, you will not have the sacrifice of thanksgiving in your situation. Because you are not saying what God is saying you should say. I can never be poor. That's what God said. He has blessed us. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Oh, my boast is in Christ. I'm blessed. I can do all things. I can do all things. Christ is my help. I'm saying what he has said. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, he said, therefore, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that we may boldly say, verse 6, the Lord is my helper. So because of what he has said, he will never leave me or forsake me. I can boldly say, he's my helper. <laughs> That's homologio. That is the bull of your praise. So you understood that the way we apply the blood is by our mouth. They overcame him by the word of what? Their testimony. The blood and by the word of their testimony. I said, by the blood, even through the speech of their evidence. How do you remember yesterday? 
So that's how to apply the blood. Apply the blood. So yesterday we spoke about the plea of the blood. Were you here? Are you sure? So plead the blood. That's how you apply the blood. It's like using the high soap to paint your doorpost. Anytime you plead the blood over your business, your finances, your family, you are applying the blood on your doorpost. The evil one will always over, will pass it. He will never be able to come over it. But this is what I want to bring our minds to. Aside this, there's the dimension of the blood working in our bodies. Working in our bodies. Can we go to Luke chapter, uh, John chapter 6? Huh, quickly, I want to touch on something very crucial. John 6. I know you know this one already, but John 6, 51. I want to show you something very powerful. Yeah, yeah. John 6, 51. Can we read together? I want to go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now remember that on the cross, when Jesus gave us his blood, when Jesus through the sacrifice bought us, we were not bought without an exchange of blood. Something also happened on the other side. There's the blood that Jesus gave to us. That's why he gave us the blood by which we are able to do and, and overcome the enemy. And the Bible says we should not refuse the speaking of the blood. It is a sprinkling of a blood. It's on us. It's for us. Now, what you must understand is this that this blood that we have also received once ingested that's something are you here are you here all right once ingested that's what something and this ingestion of the blood remember i communicated to you that it is connected to the mouth the bull of praise which is your mouth now let's go to the next verse verse 52 and the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying how can this man give us his flesh to eat next then Jesus said unto them verily verily I say unto you except ye eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood ye have no life in you ah but I thought the blood is purchasing my redemption the blood is paying for my sins even forgiveness the blood is doing something external but Jesus is saying something that after I resurrected and I came with a new life by taking the blood inside this new life we have received you always have a short supply <laughs> because he's saying except ye eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood ye have no life in you ye have no life in you ye have no life in you Next one. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. Now this is very confusing. Whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. But let me shock you today. Do you know the key word for believe? GD. Fanti said GZ. So it is collect and eat. Hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to show you something today. <laughs> your believing is in your eating. Your believing is in your eating. Jeremiah 15, 16 said, I did find thy word and I ate it. GD. GD. That is believe. <laughs> 
know, I'm, you see, I know that, you know, but I want to show you something. From today, go and buy gallons of communion wine and all assorted versions of the wafer. Oh, yeah, you need it. You need it. Because you see, the thing Jesus said was that I shall eat with you in this time, but I shall do so in the age to come. Then God told me something very interesting many years ago. He said, Son, before I show up, there will be a closeness of the kingdom era to the F era. It will seem as if kingdom practices will be happening on earth. So it means that by the time the Lord shows up, certain things that will start happening in the kingdom era will overlap into our realm. It's called the principle of first fruits because we are about to enter a new phase. And Jesus said, I will eat this thing with you in the new age. So before the Lord comes, right close to rapture, one of the things that will enter the church is the principle of communion. We eat it rampantly, not ceremoniously. Because we are getting closer to the main one. <laughs> oh, are you here at all? Okay, so at least I've got your mind there so you can understand why I'm here. Gigi. Gigi. Because he's saying that if you eat it, you now have eternal life. It means that eternal life has been injected into my spirit. The only way eternal life can be injected into my flesh is by eating. So a lot of you are born again, but things are happening in your soul, in your flesh, as if you are not born again because of lack of eating. The eating is called the distribution of the life. It is the eating of his body and the drinking of the blood that distributes the life of your spirit into your mortal flesh. Because what is in your spirit is spiritual. Hallelujah. Are you here? Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Quickly, quickly, quickly. I know, I know communion there. We've taught it a lot in church, so. He said, for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. Next. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Yet, John 15 says, if you dwell in me and my words dwell in you, and we know words are the fruit or the foundation for faith. Yet he's saying that if you <laughs> eat my blood, drink my, eat my, eat my body, drink my blood, you dwell in me and I in you. It means that this eating vitalizes communion. This is the, this is the definition of communion. He in you, you in him. Common union. He's united to what you are united to. You are united to what he's also united to. Common union. And the eating is the process. Look at it. Next one. Next one. As the living father has sent me, and I live by the father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. What it means is this, that a lot of you here eat breakfast. Cocoa, rice water, whatever it is, rice, watch it. Those who eat king, king, fufu, I don't, whatever it is. You ate. And when you came, everything you are doing, the food is broken down into adenosine triphosphate, ATPs, energy. So it begins to move in your system to give you energy to move up and down. So you see somebody when he's dull and he's not talking, he's like he's hungry. Because there's no energy in the system. Because there's no energy flow. Now, it means that the food is the fuel. What you have eaten in the morning, your rice water, that is the life by which you are living throughout the day. So if you have not eaten in the day, you realize that you are not expressing life well because hunger is making you weak and tired. So Jesus is saying that anytime you are struggling to live the divine life and you are weak, temptations get you quickly. There's a problem. You are not eating the Lord. 
It's because of lack of eating the Lord. You are not able to live by the Lord. Because you are what you eat. So whatever you are eating, the breakdown is what gives you the expression. So a, a macho man eats a certain diet that gives him muscles. So whatever you eat will tear on your physical body. And the shocking thing about eating too is a parallel to the spiritual truths. We eat and we don't see how it is masticated in our digestive tract. Likewise, when we eat the spirit, we can't see how the spirit is digesting it. But some way, somehow, the energy will be produced. The, the ability, the, 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 the formation, the, the muscles will be produced in the natural. Beloved, it is your eating that will cost you a living. <laughs> Your eating and your drinking of the blood is what is going to cause your living of the life of Christ. So the life is applied externally, but this is the application of the life internally. This is the application of blood internally. This is how we drink the blood. We apply the blood inside us. And the application of the blood internally is what we call spiritual blood transfusion. You begin to live by... That's why when someone has an organ transplant, they begin to feel the emotions of the person's organ. Most of heart transplant patients and brain transplant patients begin to have secondary memories because the brain has kept certain pictures in subconscious. The heart, even, it's so serious that even the heart that I thought was physiological, some people start loving people the first person used to love. There's a connection, some way, somehow. They are, because the, you see, when they meet, the, they say they know this person, the wife of the person's heart they are carrying. Like, yeah, though they will not love the person, like, of course, but there's a certain liking for the person because the heart has been trained to react. You have no idea. What you call psychological has physiological dimensions. Because when it's psychological, it produces certain chemicals. And the chemicals produces what we call the matrix of chemical patterns. So if my joy makes me have, you know, that's what children experience. Children don't know us, but there are certain things we do that records a certain chemical pattern in their system. So when they see us without we joking, that feeling comes in their heart. Yeah. Am I telling somebody? Yeah, yeah. So it's that the thing deposits, you know, um, um, serotonin in all those chemicals that makes joy, excitement, happiness. It comes. Yeah. And there are some things that also quickens certain things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Yeah. So it comes in your heart like that. So it's a map in your heart. So your heart is not thinking, no, but there's a certain matrix it has that makes it have response in that way. Beloved, when we eat the blood and drink, eat the body and drink the blood, there's something that happens internally. God's divine patterns are woven into our system. You have not been taking communion enough. That's why the life shop supply is short. You are sh- it's so short. Of course, as a church, if we follow the Bible process, Every meeting you must take communion. But every communion bottle and cup in especially Corona days is 400 Ghana cities. For 100 or 200 pieces. 400 cities. So it means every time we take communion in church, it's cost us 400. So for monetary value, we and you know, and other programs value, we usually take it once a month. Once a month does not mean that's the only time you take communion. No, buy your own bottle. Get your gallons as often. So often means ah, communion. Then the afternoon are like rabba ah, communion. We are like in the evening communion. You can take it ten times a day, as often, as often as it is with you, as often, as often as oh the life of God, the life of God. But look what he said. Let's go. Let's go. Four fifty-eight. Huh. The bed which came down from heaven is not as the manner 
He said, it's not as your fathers did eat the manna and are dead, but he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now, there's something happening here. The word eat there is a verb which is actually fago. 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 That's why you get the word fage. Rough fage. Fage. Foliage. You know, it's, it's, it has to do with fodder. Fage. It's the word fago. Fago means to eat carefully. And usually it's a one-time eating. But notice what he said. Your fathers did eat manna and are dead. That type of eating is how we eat communion and it creates a problem. We eat communion carefully. We eat communion as an ordinance. Oh, it's the church communion in church, so we are eating it. But he says, he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. The word eateth here is the word trogo. And trogo is constant chewing. So communion, eh, we chew. <laughs> it's not that the wafer seems soft. Those days they call it big biscuits, living bread. They chew it. It's like chewing gum. You chew. Because the chewing is the process of meditation. So when you are eating communion, you don't chew it carefully. You chew it with revelation. Now I'll show you something. Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 19. Let's read that one quickly. 22, 19. Let me, let me, I'll go there. Huh. Then I'll get to First Corinthians. I'll touch on one of the laws of communion. Some people don't take communion because as they are coming, they say that if what our Ariasu are member, um, what are member, we are a member. If you stolen something, don't come. So if you're a sinner, don't come to the lunch table before the thunder will strike. I remember when I used to be in a, a certain Pentecostal church. They will give all these laws. When they are, when I'm coming, I'm like, Lord, Father, forgive me for all my sins. Because you have to ask for forgiveness. Because if you don't so ask for forgiveness and you don't go, they will ask you what happened. <laughs> so you have to quickly repent so you can go. Because if you don't go, you say, What is it you have done that prevented you from coming? <laughs> so every time you are coming, you are coming with trepidation, fear, because you have heard testimonies of people being struck down at the Lord's supper. So when you are coming, you know. And in Jesus, then that's how you are coming. He can about Jesus Christ. Forgive me. I will not do it again. Can you imagine I'm coming to eat with Jesus and I'm afraid? Because So you are at the table when we get there, we kneel down. Then you I'm afraid too. Because <laughs> you are wondering whether you really confessed. <laughs> no. It's a knowledge that used to be. But I found from scripture, Jesus said. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of. Now, when the Gentiles say remembrance, it's cognitive. It's more mental. But when the Jew says, do in remembrance of me, it's not the same. Jewish remembrance is reenactment. So when the Jew says, remember me, it means reenact the whole process of me staying with you. So what he's trying to say is that, do this in remembrance of me means, anytime you take communion, reenact the Last Supper. The way Jesus broke the bread and gave to the disciples, with that fear, with that, that holy environment of the last of the last. 
They said, you have to, and that's how the Jews live their life. They live a lot by faith. Because if you check, there's a translation I want you to all try and use. Anytime you're reading the Old Testament, use this translation. Young's literal translation. There's no past tense in it. Hey, there's no, sorry, there's no future tense in it. For instance, when he says, Abraham, I will bless you. It's not in the Young's. The Young says, I have blessed you. So the Jew does not believe God is going to. They believe God has done it. And they picture themselves as if it's happening. So reenactment means when you are taking the communion, see yourself in Israel. See yourself at the table. See yourself as the Lord. This is where you break the cycle of ritualism. Because if you don't break it, you will take communion and to lose its power. The same communion healing people is doing nothing to you because you have lost its potency. You are taking it as a ritual, as an ordinance. You are not reenacting it. Anytime you are receiving it, say, I receive it from the Lord's hands. I receive it from the Lord's hands. He is your heavenly Melchizedek, giving you the communion himself. So as you are taking it, you have a mental picture of Jesus himself standing in front of you and giving it to you. And Numbers 21 says, anyone that looks, verse 9, anyone that looketh to the serpent, the word look there is Nabat, is consistent, persistent gaze. A lot of you, when you are taking communion, you are looking at your problem. The father said, I take this communion, my body is healed. No, don't, he didn't say look at your disease. He said, remember me. He didn't say remember your problem. When you are taking communion, don't remember your problems. Remember him. Look to him. Now, but gaze. Gaze means set your eyes on the Lord. And in any case, if you have missed the chance, when you go and, go and repeat this part, or go and get any message on communion, revamp your revelation. Communion will have life again. It will have life again. You take it to revelation. It's his body. His body indeed. And his blood indeed. I'm ingesting the blood of Christ. What bought me is inside me. And look at what you said. It protects you. It's a receipt. It's a defense. And it's inside you. Who can touch you? It's inside your system. It's not applied externally. It's used internally. By eating. I drink his blood. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. He said the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus Christ? First Corinthians chapter 11. Go there quickly. Verse 30. Huh. I want to help someone's mind. For this cause, many of you. Go back to 28. 28. But let a man examine himself. And let show him eat of the bread and now this word examine is not examine us unto condemnation it's examine us in putting your mind in the right perspective examine means make sure your mind is in line with the purpose of this communion next verse 29 29 for he that drinketh eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the lost body now let's go into the verb unworthily Please, is unworthily an adjective or an adverb or a pronoun or a noun? What is it? Unworthily. I'm not hearing English. Unworthily. What is it? It's what? It's an adverb. Right? An adverb, that's what, modifies a, a verb. An adjective modifies what? A noun. So nowhere in this text is the person taking the communion being addressed. For he that is unworthy that eateth and drinketh bringeth damnation to himself. Then we can say what we are saying. But he didn't say he that is unworthy. He said he that eateth and drinketh unworthily. So if unworthily is a verb modifying the action of drinking and eating, 
then the issue is not the one who is drinking it. It is how he is drinking it. So it is not you. It is the way you take it. On what it is, when you are taking it, you think it's Coke. Today is too sweet. Today is watery. I don't know. Communion, I like, sir. I once went to a certain Anglican church and they invited clergy. When they do wedding, the priest also take communion and they send the thing away. And I took my own. I said, Lord, I'm drunk. I've drunk alcohol for the first time in my life. I'm telling you, the alcohol was in my mouth. I was looking for first time to spit it inside. That's why I said, Lord, forgive me. Angels of the Lord, distill every alcohol, chemical in this. Yeah, because I, it's my first time. I didn't know they take alcohol. I didn't know. And some of the cups are big. Those watching are like, bless you, bless you, bless you. The cups are big. So when you're drinking, you're like, mm, today it is Coke. Today it is Vimto. That is unworthy. Yeah, because you are, you are desecrating the blood. You are making it look like a normal artifact. No. Communion is one of the means when you are taking. Don't try calculating whether the wafer is flat. You know, sometimes you can take the wafer ah, and the wafer, no. And you fresh cry. The wafer is not <laughs> You are wasting the blood. That is unworthy. That's what the Corinthian people did. They don't eat. They will come. And they'll be tearing the tent. Auntie me. They send it there. Unless they didn't hear communion service. The way people were happy. Because you know they, they pass the bread. Somebody will tear it. Wow. They said, pass. They said, no, wait. Two. In the name of the Father. The name of the Son. The name of the Holy Ghost. So by the time it gets to the third person, wine is finished. You have to top up again. So Paul said, eat before you come. Eat before you come. So that it's true. One of the things on communion is that if you don't learn to train your mind and you think that's why we give it to you in small portions. But if we make it look like a big bread, you will come with the mind that it's a feast. We are coming to eat. So Paul said, Don't, don't some of you, that's how you do. It's true. When they say communion, say, okay, and they are upon 12 a community, communion, be cooling down, kakra. You have made the bread of non effect. A lot of you have done it before because you're hungry, or at least the communion will cool it. Cool it down small. Unworthily. But you must see it as the very blood. It's an act of faith, remember? The very blood of Christ and the very body of Christ. So you, you that's why we break it. We break it not because it's just to keep us in mental posture that we are tearing the body. Breaking means that if his body was broken, mine can be broken. So I'm tearing it as his was torn. It's just a pictorial representation of what God did. It's just a picture so that you just access the blessing. Don't eat it on wedding. And he said, Design, where design means understanding that what you are eating is God's body now. It's special. Buy it in your house, sanctify. It's not a drink when you are thirsty, you go and pour. Then after a while, the same drink you use for. If you do that, your mind will not allow access. But when you treat it special, that, that is that's why that's why it's the same vinto. It's the same Coca-Cola, whatever it is. But they label it communion wine. So that your mind will see it as, as it can produce the results. We ingest the body. 
We ingest the blood. Something is going to happen in your life this season. It's going to happen. Ah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Beloved, it's God's word. If the blood was enough to forgive us our sins mm, and give us access, then, beloved, the blood, let me say this, primarily it's not for us, it's for God. The blood primarily is not for us, it's for God. God that's why Hebrews 9 said, God needed it to patch things in heaven. God even needed the blood to solve something. In fact, yesterday when I was talking about seven places, I didn't touch on heaven's one. There was a place Lucifer stood to rebel against God. Jesus stood there and poured blood there to consecrate. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 said, he has perfected for us a new and a living way. He, he cleared the path with the blood. It's called the path of blood. So anytime you pass on that blood and you get to God, you are stained with blood. So God does not see you. He sees his son's blood on you. So he sees you as his son. It's for God more. It's for us in the sense that it purges our mind from an evil conscience when we suspect God. Because God forgave us on the remit of a payment, blood. So the blood satisfies our mind. Because the Bible says, Oh, Baliah, for Jesus Christ being come an high priest of good things to come. Not of this tabernacle that is made in hands, but that which is made in heavens. Because if the sacrifices that were offered year by year, day by day, was able to cleanse the sins. He said it was not able to restore their conscience from sins. But Jesus' blood, so efficacious, didn't just deal. Do you know what scripture says? He says, wash your bodies with pure water and sprinkle your hearts from an evil conscience. Their heart is not cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's not biblical. We mistakenly say it. There's no scripture in the Bible that says the heart is cleansed by the blood. No. Because the heart, do you know the heart? The heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah was prophesying, say, even his heart, he doesn't know. The heart. To cleanse the heart is like using water to wash clay. The more you wash the clay, the more death will produce. So God didn't cleanse our heart. He gave us a new heart. It is our conscience that was cleansed by the blood. Ezekiel chapter 36, a new heart and a new spirit I shall give to them. And I shall put all my laws in them, 26, 27. So your heart was not cleansed. It was your conscience that has been cleansed. But your heart is new. It's a new heart. It's a new heart. I said it's a new heart. But much more he says, by the blood we have boldness to enter the holy of holies. He said, by whom also we have boldness do you know what boldness is parasha, boldness of speech? The way our children come to us and talk to us, no matter our status in life, your child can come and stand. Mommy, I'm hungry. They can dance on your bed. Apostle of apostles. Your baby will slap you. Pow! And smile. <laughs> slap you again. Apostle of apostles. That's what we call boldness. A child having confident display before his father and not fearing retribution. The child knows that my father is my father. No matter what I do, he'll rebuke me, but he can't kill me. <laughs> That's boldness because of the blood, not fasting. A lot of you think in Hebrews chapter 10, 19, he is saying you come to the throne of God because you have fasted enough. No, by the blood. So something because you've not prayed enough, you can't, you can't go to God. That is when you have to go to God. You don't come to God because you fasted or because you prayed because of the blood. 
of the blood. Oh. But finally, let me touch on a very powerful guy. I want to touch on the dimension of wealth. In fact, in Israel, the law of the burnt offerings, according to Leviticus chapter 8, gave rules, and Leviticus 14, gave rules about the burnt offering. Leviticus 23 is there. So when you check Leviticus, you see the law of burnt offerings. In general, it says that the king, the priest, and the wealthy in society, when they are coming to give burnt offering, they bring a bull. They bring a bull for offering. Then the middle class in society, they came with a ram. Then the lower class come with a goat. Then the poor come with turtle doves. Then the poorest of the poor come with a handful of flour. So the same burnt offering, but God requires at different levels. And if you study scripture well, you'll notice that burnt offering is con- the burnt offering is connected to righteousness. So when you're a king, you're a priest, you're a rich man, it speaks of your revelation of God's righteousness. It's bull-sized revelation. When you're maturing the Lord, it is a ram size. If you're now starting in Christ, it's probably a goat. If you're a new convert, it's a turtle dove. Your revelation of righteousness. That's why you're a new convert. As soon as you sin, you will ask for forgiveness 32 times. You will ask for forgiveness till you feel like the forgiveness you have asked is enough. That is turtle dove revelation. But when you are in a kingship dimension, you are like David. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute his righteousness against him. Father, I receive righteousness. I have sinned, but your blood is more, much more. Confidently, like he, it's as if he's proud. He knows he's right. Can you imagine David talking to God? Impunity, impudence, audacity. He looks at God and tells him that, ah, I know you are bored. But in sin, I was conceived. So this thing you are bored about, there's nothing I can do about it. They gave birth to me in sin. I was actually shaping in iniquity. And the shocking part is that you saw it. And you allowed it. So as we are at 18, I don't disagree that I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But you see, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. The man has sinned and is giving God orders. And restore! So he said, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. So God is like a servant whilst he has sinned. Then he tells God that as you are not taking your Holy Spirit away to me, add the joy of my salvation. And in case you do that one to renew a right spirit within me. Oh Lord. No wonder the Apostle Paul quoted him and said in Romans 4. And this is that which David the prophet spoke of the blessedness of God. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute his sin against him. The guy had bull-sized revelation of God's forgiveness. He knew God would forgive him. No wonder when his enemies were coming, he says, Lord, my enemies are around. The nation is around. You are also there. Don't deliver me to my enemies. Lest they treat me to disgrace. Don't deliver me to Israel. Lest they have no mercy on me. I, I surrender to you. You deal with me. Because I know in your anger, there is mercy. David, David had a revelation where he said he would rather let God punish him than men punish him. Revelation. Unless you don't know God. Like you will know that he's the best person to run to when you're overwhelmed. 
when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock higher than I. I love that you saw. Oh, yeah, requirements was. But once upon a time in Psalm 132, David came to the scene. He was anointed at age 17 in the bush. When they asked for the other sons of Jesse, they said, oh, there's one in the bush. Someone left the house, went to look for the guy. Anointed him in the bush. At age 30, he was anointed before his family, Judah. At age 37, the whole nation Israel. So David was anointed three times to validate the original anointing, the one in the bush. Now, after everything had happened, David now shows up as king and realizes that the Ark of the Covenant that the Philistines came for. You know, scripture said that they had taken the Ark and they opened it up on the road to Gizem. And Bible says it, the light shone and killed all those 50,000 men died because they opened the Ark. Why? When you open the Ark, the contents of the Ark will demand from you. If you can't pay, you will die. The rebellion against the staff the tables and the hidden manner. The guys opened the lid of the mercy seat. 50,000 soldiers, including those who carried it, all slain because they went to open what they can't pay. They couldn't pay for the requirements. Hmm. If you knew what the blood has done for you, the covering of that judgment, all of us should have died. But the guys didn't know that inside that ark was millions of sins and they went to open it. They all died. Not those who opened it to. Even the soldiers that are around, they all were slain. 50,000 men died. Because they opened what they couldn't pay requirements for. So Bible said they threw the ark into the bush. And they left it. So 132, Psalm 132, David said, Ah, we have heard of it in the woods. In the valley of Kajat Benna. And he said, we have also seen of it. And he said, ah, I'll give myself no rest. Still I've found the habitation for the Most High God. Then when we find the habitation, we'll bring the ark. Then we'll say, Arise, O Lord, in thy glory. And we shall worship at thy footstool. Someone three two. That's what he said. It was the recovery of the ark. Now, when the ark was now being brought, David, out of joy, asked the priest to put it on the cart to bring it to town. And as they were bringing it to town, Bible says all of a sudden it bound the stone and started shifting. Then Uzzah, who was a descendant of Abinadab, Uzzah means man's strength. He decided to support the ark and God slew him. Listen, let me say this. Anytime you read scripture, there's one of the things God also did aside his enemies. God, even in the Jewish system, there's something called death by betrayal. That death is when you betray the truth of typology. It means if the thing is green and you try to break the typology, you can die because you have broken the system of typology. 
They have broken a system of typology. So what happens now is this, that when Uzzah was trying to support the ark, his name means strength, man's strength. So it means that in typology, if God allows Uzzah to touch the ark and to be held, then it means the ark can be sustained by man's strength. So God struck him down. Number two, David childishly accepted the way of putting the ark on a cart because that's what the Philistines did. Remember, he didn't even know how the ark was. So he didn't know the dimensions of the ark. Then Bible says, when this happened, I was wondering, how come the unbelievers did it this way and God spared them? And the Israelites did it and were struck. If you try employing worldly methods in Christian living, it will kill you. God allows them because they carry no life. We, he can allow us. An unbeliever can go and sleep around and still marry and be fine. You. You are touching types. It's dangerous for you. Don't, don't play that game. You are not like them. Don't say, say, we cry, you be. Say, we saw you be. It means me, you are then, you. You realize Philistine versus Jew. You can be struck down. The person can go score for you. But what even shocks me the most was that Uzzah had grown up in Abinadab's house. It means he was conversant with the ark. Familiarity is what makes you think you can always sustain the presence of God with your strength. Your singing can hold the, the anointing. Your preaching capacity. It's like now you know how God moves. So you don't ask him questions. How should I preach? Yeah, when the ark fell down, the Bible said they carried it to a guy's house called Obed-Edom. Now the name Obed-Edom is a very powerful name. Obed is the word servant. It's from the Hebrew word abad, to work or to serve. Obed Edom. Edom is red, the son of Esau. And Edom, red, also speaks of blood. That's why, if you remember, Jesus will return upon the earth on his horse and shall descend on Bozra, the land of Edom. And the place shall be scattered with blood. So, red Edom also means blood. So, literally, his name Obed Edom means servant of the blood. Obed Edom means servant of the blood. <laughs> Please follow me here. Now they carried the ark of the presence to Obed Edom's house. The man said, For three months, the guy prospers all of a sudden. Every, he was a poor man. Everything and everyone in neighbors. In fact, if you read the genealogy in 1 Corinthians Chronicles chapter 15, after Obed Edom prospered, all his family descendants were now working in the temple, they were rich. They have become prominent guys. They were, their names were mentioned. No, to be mentioned in genealogy is a serious matter. If, you, if, if you're a Jew, you understand it. It's like a Ghanaian. They mention the history of Ghanaians. And your father's name is in it. It tells you prominence. Genealogy will not mean anything to another person. So, we got to read that. Those who read the genealogy and see their family history, they are like, wow. Great grandpa was part of the temple builders. Was a stone cutter. It's a, it's a serious honor to them. And nobody don't prosper. And Josephus Flavius, a Jewish historian, said there was a secret behind Obedidom's success. They said when he started, he was the poor amongst the poor. So every morning, Obedidom realized that the ark needs blood. Let me say this: the blood is what provokes the presence. Because I said to you, it is for God, forgiveness, but it's also for man access therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and have access into this grace wherein we stand Romans 5 1 and 2 and he also said in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 and 9 that this same thing we have received if we have been redeemed 
while we were yet sinners, Christ loved, you know, Bible says, because of the love of God, he did not condemn, you know, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, yes. He commended his love to us as, and so Christ died for us. Then the Bible says in verse, verse 9, that if we were enemies of God, okay, we are now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath. 10, 10 says what? What does 10 say? Uh-huh. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So he's saying that we have been reconciled to God by reason of his blood. So the blood is the basis of reconciliation. So on that premise, the way we sustain the presence of God is by blood. And thank God the blood is eternal. So we don't need, that's why I say it's a sprinkling. We have come to, we don't sprinkle. We have come to the sprinkling. Mount Zion, when we come, the sprinkling is going on. So it's like a sprinkler. Every day you wake up, there's a sprinkling going on. And that's the reason why the presence of God is always on your head. Are you here? That's the reason why the presence of God is on your head. So but they don't realize that the ark responds to blood. But he didn't have blood because he was poor. So every morning he wakes up, he would rather offer a flower, a hand of flour. Flavius Joseph said he offered a hand of flour for about two weeks. Then as he was offering flour every morning, his, his produce were increasing. The next time he offered a goat. He, sorry, he offered a turtle dove. He started offering the birds. Then as he was offering the birds, after two weeks, he started offering goats. Then after offering goats, he began to offer sheep, ram. And after he started offering ram, it got to a point Obedidom was offering bulls every day. And Bible said, David heard of his prosperity. Let me show you the secret behind what I'm saying. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, prior to this, in, first, in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, 1 Chronicles 15, sorry, the verse number 8, down to 13. 13 says, now, when God was angry with them, he was angry because they did not do it according to the due order. So there was an order concerning the ark that most, David was not aware of. Number one, the ark must be carried on the shoulders of men. But the ark, the weight of the ark is almost 300 pounds. Do you know 300 pounds? I weigh 210. So this is someone stouter than me, and taller than me. And 300 pounds is around Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight. I think um, Tyson Fury is around 360 pounds, there about. So look at their height, 7 foot, 6 foot, 8, with their weight and muscles. I'm talking of that pounds. I think the guy who is closer to 288 is around the Andy Ruse. The guy who beat, yeah, that, that's the weight, 288 pounds. And they had to carry that ark. Now, from the forest to Jerusalem was close to 25 kilometers. And four men have to put this heavy thing on their shoulders and carry it. It's not a joke. Beloved, the presence of God is expensive. The weight of the presence. Mm. Fasting. When you're a prophet, there's a season where your gift will hit a junction. And God will tell you that two days fasting is not enough. You need to do seven. A lot of prophets get stuck at the gift. Names and phone numbers. But God didn't... Call, he, no, he called you to be a national establisher. By a prophet, he brought them out. And he didn't bring them out by calling their phone numbers. He brought them out by hearing how God said they will be delivered. A lot of us get stuck at the numbers and the names. But to enter higher matters, oh God, oh God, 
Oh God. It's a wait. Fastings. Prayers. Everybody's doing something. God said, you are not part. God said, cancel that meeting. You are not going anywhere. Those demands is the weight of the ark. And sometimes you don't want to bear it. We rather want to put it on the wheels. Technology of man. We think your ministry will blow out because of Facebook. Facebook is just showing the weight you carry. Facebook is showing the weight you carry. There are, excuse me to say, so many weightless people on internet now. If the devil shows up, he will blow a lot of them away. You need weight. And that one, the ark, is heavy. And it's a distance. You are walking. You are walking. You are walking. But when he realized Obedidom was rich, the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, immediately he went to the house of Obedidom and realized that within three months, the guy's prosperity has turned around. Do you want to do now? Immediately he saw that the guy's prosperity has turned around. He told them that, let's go for the ark. And man of God, when they went for the ark, <laughs> can, can you go verse 8 for me? I'm ending with this one. Verse 8. Tobala shakatolash. Okay, go, go down, go down. Go to 10. You see, so he's talking about it. All right, all right, all right. Keep going. He went to the house of Obedidom. Now he said, The ark of the Lord continued to be in the house for three months. And the Lord God blessed Obedidom and all. So he didn't bless the guy, he blessed everyone who was in the house. And all, not some, all cousins, brother in law, children. All of them were blessed. Next. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed Obedidom. And he said, What has this guy seen I didn't see the first time? And he said, Because all that pertained to him, because of the ark. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obedidom into the city with gladness. Because he realized that the prosperity was linked to the ark. But look at what he got to know. This is what Josephus was explaining. It was so that when now they bear the ark, Anytime they took one, two, three, four, five, six paces, sacrifice. One, two, for 25 kilometers. Every six paces, sacrifice. Oxen and sheep. Oxen and sheep. So you can imagine the number of sacrifices that they slew on the way to Jerusalem. Because he realized the ark needs blood. Listen. Listen, listen. And that's why when the apostle wrote in Hebrews chapter 5, chapter 10, verse um, 13, verse 15, that is the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. He didn't end there. Look at what verse 16 said. Hebrews 13, 16. Go there quickly. This is applying the blood in your prosperity. Look at what, so he uses but to do good. But is a conjunction that stems from a previous sentence. So it means that the sacrifice of your praise is what you use your mouth to declare as Jesus has said. But he said it's not enough. So the combination of what you are saying and the seed that leaves your hand is what he calls a sacrifice God is well pleased with. He put colon there. So it means that the sacrifice of the fruit of your lips plus doing good and communicating. Colon 
is the sacrifice that pleases God. Some of you, you are very good at giving seed, but you talk rubbish. It's not a sacrifice well pleasing. When you sow your seed, your mouth is the watering can. Water your seed with right words. I'm rich. That seed I've sown, I've accessed grace. I've tapped into the grace of this man of God. If you are tapping into grace, they don't criticize the grace you just tapped. Because you are tapping corruption. Sorry, sir. By the grace of God, I've learned something over the years. I was praying one day, and God said to me, says, anytime a pastor enters a meeting you've organized, bless them. I said, Lord, why? He said, because without their anointing, certain things couldn't have been said. Sometimes if you follow the audience, we might not teach what we know. Because sometimes, unfortunately, the people are dull of hearing. Because what you want to say, they are not pulling it. When you see a man of God preaching, don't think that's all he knows. So it's what you are pulling that he is saying. If you are not pulling enough, he will not say something. That's why you hear a man of God, hey, how did he teach these things over here? But why is it that he's teaching it this way here? It's what you could pull. So sometimes when men of God show up in a service, 20 men of God are present under a meeting. The anointing is organized properly for even those who don't have strength of hearing. Because sometimes in the spirit, one man is a thousand. So 20 pastors here might mean that you are preaching to 20,000 people. So this is the mystery. The application of the blood in your finances is learn to understand that aside what you use your mouth to declare as the fruit of your lips, what you sow as seed is how you break the curse of poverty which was enacted through the action of Adam. 34 of the 54 blessings, curses are poverty related. Poverty is one of the highest proof of the curse. Today, I've shown you how to drink the blood internally and how to apply the blood by your giving. He said that sacrifice you give is the same thing, the same Hebrew word. For which such, he said, for, with such booze, God is well pleased. The word sacrifice is the same as boo. So your boo is the positive words you speak and the spirit-led seeds you sow. That is your boo that God is pleased with. This is what we have in the New Testament to apply. So we apply it internally and we apply it first and foremost concerning our wealth because that's the first picture. In fact, if you check the word for shalom, the first meaning of shalom is prosperity. The first meaning of peace is money. Because money answers all things, most things. Someone said, money is good and it's not the root of evil. So if I'm crying, it's better to cry in a Lamborghini than in a Trotro. It's, it's true. It's better to cry in a house in Trasaco than to cry in a kiosk somewhere. Because there's a way you cry. Netflix. <laughs> but you are crying in the kiosk. The darkness crowd will stare a second wave of tears. That, oh God, even water I can't drink. And you will start crying about things that has nothing to do with what you are feeling sad about. When you are in a rich environment, you cry specific tears. It is located tears. 
A is not working. That's why you are crying. But when you open your eyes, B is happening. C is also going on. D is happening. Because after crying a little because your friend betrayed you, they'll just call you that, oh, you've received a profit of $1.5 million. I'm like, okay, okay. At least some things are working. But when you are in a kiosk, all of a sudden, the heat. No, I'm crying. Look at the heat I'm in. By the time I go to open the store, ah, cockroach, cockroach, cockroach. Lord, am I cursed? Because you see, you are crying about A, but B, no light, no water, cockroach in your steel. Ah, it, it will make you sadder. That's why poverty, the reversal of poverty, that's why the next age, the wealth of God will show. Because the main picture of, of blessing. Today I call you to a better place. Do you know you're giving your money, the paper, is your sweat and your blood and your time packaged in a note. You went to work 18, uh, what do you call it, 8 hours a day for 21 days in the week. 24, 25 days. And they gave you 1,000 CDs. That 1,000 is a compendium of 8 hours times 21 days. It's also a compendium of the risk you took crossing the road. A car nearly hit you. You were nearly robbed. Or you still went to work. All of that is the blood. And your sweat is the energy you used to sign check, to balance a book, to handle a patient. That is your sweat. So when you bring money, it's a picture of sweat, time, and blood. That's why who you give money to is who you are serving. Anything you spend money on, you are creating a sacrificial bond. Some people, their greatest expenditure is on food. Yeah, so food is your God. Bible says, whose God is their bellies? Some people, their God is their belly. Nothing makes them excited than food. Like once they see food, they're happy. Like, wow, food. And the other does this say, me, dear food. That's what makes me happy. Like, how can you talk like that as a Christian? But the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your money also is. There your heart also is. So don't come and stand in church and say, Lord, I love you. My heart is yours. And your money is in Echo Bank. My heart is yours. And Sister Shenene has 10,000 Ghana CD of your money. My heart is yours. And we are building church. And your money is with a girl who does not respect you. And you are paying for a hostel. My heart is yours. And your money is in a special investment. And we are like, I will never touch that. Not even for God. My heart is yours. You know I'm, you are a liar. <laughs> if you want to see where your money is. Do you know you have bank accounts here? Paul said in Philippians 4. He said, not that I desire seed from you. That riches and glory. That might abound in your account. There's an account in heaven. Anytime you sow. Heaven takes a book. Paul said, when it came to giving and receiving, none of you communicated to me except he. The Greek word for, he said giving and receiving. The Greek word for the receiving there is receipting. Anytime you sow a seed, heaven gives you a receipt. The day you need to cash out, you present the receipt. Your request plus what you did is the receipt that heaven sees and they release your own. Telling. He said giving and receipting. Go and check it. Philippians 4, 15 to 17. Giving and receiving, not receiving, receiving. So, anytime you sow a seed, heaven gives you a receipt. The day you need a car, the day you need a house, the day you need a suit, present the receipt. 
That's what Hezekiah did. He presented the receipt when they told him you are come to die. And God said, yes, on the receipt. When we convert all the wealth we owe you, 15 more years. It's blood. Go and check scripture. When people want to change, exchange life, they go and give an offering. Because your blood is the money. Lift your right hand to him. Today I've shown you the triumph of blood. The blood has secured your poverty. It has made you well, wealthy. It has secured your prosperity. The blood inside you has secured the life of God flowing freely through you. It has secured forgiveness. It has secured protection. Come and speak to the Lord right now. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Just speak to him right now. Lord, I thank you for your blood. So man, thank you, Jesus. Thank The blood is efficacious. Neither by the blood of bulls and goats. Nor the ashes of the sprinkling of a hypha. But by his own blood has entered. To obtain eternal redemption for us. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. The blood of Jesus has done it. The blood of Jesus has done it. It was offered through the eternal spirit. Thank him, somebody. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the sacrifice that our lives are secure. If it was not so, we will not have the confidence, we will not have the standing. But by the blood we stand. By the blood we have access. By the blood we can come boldly. Come on, lift your voice. Praise his name, somebody. 
when I see the blood, I will pass over thee. Your exemption is because of the blood. In this season of the triumph, by the blood, may you understand what the blood has procured for you. He make it he make to You have received new life by the blood of Jesus. You have received prosperity by the sacrifice of blood. We have received forgiveness. Redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. By reason of the transaction of the blood, every healing, every miracle is legal. If every healing and miracle is legal, then whatever you are going through in your body is an illegality. I want you to visualize the payment process when the man carried blood and appeared judicially forensically as a lawyer to present evidence that under no circumstance can they be sick again under no circumstance can they be poor again under no circumstance can they be held under Satan's tyrannic rule because this is the blood that makes atonement it's the blood that makes atonement For any deity to carry out a hideous crime, they require blood. We'll tell you, bring a chicken, bring a goat. The higher the sacrifice, the more potent the power. Jesus is not a normal human being. He was a sinless human being. If the blood of a sinful entity, even the shrine said they want baby, which typifies innocence, or they want a virgin, which typifies innocence, those people were born in sin is still able to transact certain things in the demonic realm how much more the blood of Christ himself it is a higher value let me say this in the old English the word blessing came from an Anglo-Saxon word which is blood sin blood sin and blood sin means to be marked by blood so the word blessing means you have bled sin. You are marked by blood. Beloved, because of the blood, you are qualified for blessing. Amen. It's the marking of the blood that has made you qualified for blessing. Without bleeding, we can't bless. And old sin said, we cannot bless because we don't bleed. Every blessing is connected to bleeding. And thank God one bled for us. And by his bleeding, he also marked us as having bled with him. Because we were in him when he was bleeding. We were in him when he finished bleeding. We were in him when he presented the blood. And had raised us up together. And has made us sit together with him in heavenly places. We died with him by battle. And if you have been found in the likeness of his death, then we shall be found also in the likeness of his resurrection. I want you to have a mental picture of this story. 
like pastor said if you don't see it he said the word of the lord which i isaiah saw not her saw there's a word you must see you cannot deny evidential sight once you see it you can't deny it sometimes you can doubt what you are hearing but seeing is different you want to pray the lord like apostle paul prayed he didn't say we should come and do anything that the god and father of our lord jesus christ may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the, in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light that he may know when you see you will know when you see the blood listen there are days sometimes i'm walking and i begin to feel malaria and i, I look at i say god look at my blood then god it's like god gives me a vision of my my skin transparent and i see he said do you see it's not blood flowing through it's energy Paul meditated on this. Ah, historians say when they beheaded Paul, milk came out of his neck. Milk, not blood. Milk. From today's conference, this resetting is going to cause some of you, your head will be caught, not caught up in the clouds of fantasy. It will be caught up in the realms of God. Like that's how you think. That's how every matter must be a, a verdict passed from heaven. Otherwise, it's not true. Like literally, that's how you're going to live. Your head will be stuck up in God. Anytime you are thinking, what God says is what you are thinking. I'm telling you, you will produce some results. I just want you to close your eyes. Because you see, I, I just saw the angels of God. Yesterday when I came, I was praying this morning. And God, as I was sleeping, God showed me. He says, do you know what happened yesterday? I said, Lord, what? I saw angels that were planting trees in this room. They were planted, literally, I saw them. And he said, they didn't know I was planting. He said, it's their season of planting. <laughs> I saw, I'm serious. And I, all of a sudden, when the angels were planting and they were done, it was perfect, perfect. It was, it was seven by seven rows, planting, planting. And as they were planting, all of a sudden, I heard God say, that's why I went to Obedidom. He said, six steps, it's like the six vases. Six is the number of the fallen man. So after the sixth step, in the seventh, they applied blood. So blood is that which accesses perfection. So in the seventh step, blood. Then they take six again. Seventh, blood. So every seventh step was a blood sacrifice. So without the blood of Christ, we can't access perfection. Look, if you don't see it, it's a waste of time. No wonder Paul in his, all his communications that he may know. Because God can do a lot. If you don't see it, nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Nothing will happen. Because he said, remember us, reenact. Reenact your memory. Provoke your mind. Lord. Lord. If I can see it. If I can see it. If I can see what the blood has done that in the spirit i'm the highest commodity because i'm marked by the highest commodity blood and not just the highest commodity i'm marked by the purest blood of the ages the son of god's blood i'm stained by blood if you remember coco's elicis you are stained by blood you are marked by blood the marking of the blood makes you qualify for the blessing listen just close your eyes there's something that is going to happen in this room in the next two minutes. An enrapturing. 
You are a man of God. You are feeling tired. You want a certain anointing to come? According as you see. According as you see. He said to Abraham, as far as your eyes can see, if your seeing is impaired, if your vision is impaired, there's as much as God can do. If you can see it. If you can see it. If you can see it. That one day your shadow must heal the sick. And it is not a one-time event. Every time your shadow is healing the sick. If you can see. If you can see. If you can see the staining of the blood. If you can see. If you can see. Jericho was accessed by a scarlet cloth. And he said if you see that scarlet cloth. If you can see it. It is proof that you have accessed the land. Ah, does God need a cloth to possess a nation? But he said if they don't see it. In the Hebrew. The scarlet cloth is the same word for hope. <laughs> it's the same word for hope. If they can see it, then the hope that they believe shall be evidenced through faith. Come down for me. No drums. Just, just, just the string silently. Silently. Now, everybody, eyes closed. I want you to begin to see it. We are in a triumphant possession. When did you break rank? And the emperor was not in sight. And the demons who were supposed to be captured and stripped naked, all of a sudden are dressed and they are fighting you. When did you break rank? <laughs> you have changed what you are looking at. When did you break rank? That the captured enemy, who is in the shackles, is now free and tormenting your life. When did you break rank? You have stopped seeing the procession. That's why your life is not a sweet smelling fragrance. For the resurrection and death of Christ. People come attest that Jesus died indeed by you. Because you stop looking at him. That devil is a liar. He's a liar. He has no foot in your house. If Ben-Edom was not carrying the Holy Ghost. But God managed to change his prosperity. How come you, full of the spirit of God. You think your prosperity is far. That the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light. Be flooded with light. The eyes of your understanding. I command the flooding of the light of God's word. The reality of God's truth. You have been biding in lies for a while. Who told you you can't give birth? Himana, Himana, Katakasha, Rekebel. Who told you you have breast cancer? Who told you you have lambs in your breast? Imakapa. While we look not at things we can see, you can look at what you are seeing. But I have decided to look at what I'm not seeing. Imalaka, Iskepe. It means that I don't deny that I can see it, but I'm not looking at it. Imakada. Imakada, 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 Imakada. Who told you that case is irreversible? I see court cases coming back. That the eyes. And at the gate, beautiful Peter and John stood. 
And they saw a man who was invalid from his mother's womb. And they fastened their eyes to him and said, Look to us. And Bible said, when they said, Look to us, I like how Bible describes the response of the man. He said, Look to them as expecting something, not money, something. So whether it is money or something else, he was just expecting anything. So once his expectation was broad spectrum, now Peter said, Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I give. In Acts 14, the verse 8 and 9, they followed Peter wherever he preached. Steadfastly listening to Peter. So Peter noticed him that every meeting he came to in Lydia, he was always there. So he looked at him and said, He perceiving the man to have faith. So the man had faith, but he was still crippled. You can have faith and still be your problem. Mm. He perceiving the man to have faith. To be healed. Yet he has not received his healing. Because the command of faith requires your belief colliding with God's word. So he had faith, belief that he can be healed. But the command to be healed had not come. He will still be crippled. What do you see today? Father. There's a lady watching online. Oh, Father, I see arthritis living your life. Every knee problem, I see it living your life. Everybody, eyes closed, please. Father, Father, Jesus has entered here. I see him swallowing you into the rock. Here's the cleft. This one, eh? This one. This one. This one. Show him, Lord. Show him. He wants you. Show him. Father. 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 Yeah. He wants you. Show him. Show him. Show him. Show him. Today he will let you see. He will let you see. Ah, he will let you see. <laughs> he will let you see. Yes, 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 your eyes are opening. Without the consciousness of what you carry, what you carry will never follow you. Your eyes are open. Your eyes are open. See the blood. 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 Oh, see the blood. 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 
Thank you. 